Amen. Amen. You guys alive? Give someone a high five next to you. An American high five. You know, I have a word um, for your church really quick, and then I'm gonna get into a word that I believe for your nation. Um, but God, you know, was speaking to me in the first service. Um, took me a while to wake up. Um, we've been going really hard. How many of you guys joined us last night at Let Us Worship? Okay. So last night we had between uh, seven to 10,000 people um, and uh, probably was the largest church service in South Africa in two years. A couple people are excited about that. Now, what was phenomenal about it was, and, and I was talking to some pastors last night, we were processing because, uh, you know, this is a movement that started in America, and last night was actually our two-year anniversary. Um, and we've gone to hundred and over 160 cities across America. Last night was our first time ever going international. And um, it was prophetic for a couple reasons. One, for me, because I was here uh, February of 2020, right before everything shut down. This was the last international trip I came to. And, um, and I, I had a sense in my spirit uh, during this conference we were at that this thing that we, that this, this thing we were moving into, this, you know, flew out of China, I, I, I felt like it was going to be a game changer. I remember sitting backstage in the green room, and I don't pro proclaim to be a prophet or whatever, but I, I, I have discernment, you know, and I feel stuff in my spirit. And I just was like, this is going to be a game changer, not because of the severity of the virus, but because of the fear that it was going to bring. Now, I'm not going to deny that it's not real, but I think if you would look in the global scale of pandemics, I mean, you're still talking about a 99.98% survivable virus. Some of you looking at me blank stares. Like, that's the statistics, okay? Anybody get COVID in here? Okay, everybody did, all right? So we've, we've gone through it. We've come out the other side. But it wasn't the pandemic of the virus. It was the pandemic of fear. And that's what the enemy used to silence the church. That's what he used to make us isolated. And so last night, we had an altar call, and the pastors were shocked because a, over a thousand people were running down to the altar. They're like, we've never seen anything like that. And I'm like, well, what do you think people have been doing for two years? They've been in bondage. They've been isolated. They've been lonely. They've been confused. They've fallen into addiction. And they want freedom. And I'm telling you, the post-COVID church looks different than the pre-COVID church. Come on, y'all got to talk back to me today. The post-COVID church isn't playing games. The post-COVID church, I'm telling you, we're bringing back altar calls. We're going old school. Repentance, consecration, holiness. And so last night, you can show them the clip. You know, here's a, a little clip from somebody's phone, you know, of the altar call. People just running in from all over the field just to get right with God, to get on their knees, to cry out to God. Come on, look at that. Look at that. 
just coming down from everywhere. We had a point last night where I had them if they were if they had to throw their addictions on the stage, whether it was drugs or or cigarettes or alcohol or porn addictions. And the stage was just filled with people throwing their addictions at the feet of Jesus. And I'm telling you, this is a prophetic sign of where the church is going in your country. We don't have the opportunity to return back to being a Christian club or religious service or something that is just nice. We're talking about an hour in history where the enemy is raging to take out the next generation and the violent are going to take it by force. And I had this word. I didn't share this. The first service might be too spicy for the TV people. So, but I had a word. I was sitting there and I was praying over your church and I'm like, okay, God, please wake me up because I am like, I need some Holy. I've been surviving this morning on the Holy Spirit and espresso and dried meat, the Trinity, you know? So, um, but I, I was sitting there and I saw this, uh, this guy dancing like a madman. What's his name? Kudzan. Kudzan, okay? Have y'all ever seen this guy? It is amazing. I'm like, this dude had some espresso today. And he was just dancing like a madman up and down in front of this row. And, and I, I, I've heard the Lord speak to me saying, yeah, he gets it. He gets it. And it caused me to remember this. It caused me to remember this. And, you know, in, 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 in 2 Samuel 6, it's like, y'all haven't had church for a while. I don't know if you know this, but you're one of the most locked down countries in the world. I mean, <laughs> the fact that your COVID mandates just relaxed what have you guys been doing? And so I had this thought, and this, this hit me too last week when I was at a different church. I'm like, how is everybody not absolutely losing their mind? A slight bit of a rebuke for you. Like, how are you just now coming back to church and you're not all doing this? Like, David, it says, when they were bringing the ark of the Lord into the city of Jerusalem, returning the presence of God back to the city, you know what David did? He's a king. He got naked. I'm not suggesting that this morning. But David was so unhinged in his adoration that he stripped down to his underwear. And he's the king, right? And many people believe, many you know, theologians believe in, in 2 Samuel 6, when this moment happens, they believe that one to two million people were gathered together. And David is just like so undone. He takes off all of his priestly garments, his religiosity, his, his, his right to be, you know, proper or whatever. And he takes it down and he dances in his underwear. Now, here's the thing. This is what I want to get at this morning before I get to my other word. It says that, it says that Michael, the daughter of Saul, who represents the lineage of Saul, was looking at David. And she said this to David when he returned home in verse 20. Michael says, oh, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked 
in full view of the slave girls of his servant as any vulgar fellow would. David's response is the greatest. This is like should be tweeted all over the world. David said, it was before the Lord, honey. It wasn't about you. Who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over God's people. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. So think about it. David is like, no, 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 you, you missed the whole point. This ain't about you. I am so undone with the idea that God's presence would rest in my city. I can't help myself. And here's the key. It says, verse 23, and Michael the daughter of Saul had no children to the day of her death. This is a word of warning. Your refusal to enter in to the new dance of the Lord will bring barrenness upon yourself. This is a season for the church in this nation to choose. Are we going to celebrate or are we going to become barren? Are we going to step into a season of undignified, passionate, wild, outrageous praise? Or are we going to worry what everyone else thinks? See, I wasn't shocked last night that that many people came or that it was that explosive. I'm like, there's a pent up desire to get together. Listen, humans were not created to be in isolation. Humans were not created to not have connection. Humans were not created to be sitting at home watching a live stream with four masks on. Humans were created to be together. To be together like this, to worship, to sing, to hug each other, to touch one another, to smile at each other, to eat meat together. And this is a season, church, where it's time to celebrate. It's time to break off the fear and the dust of yesterday. Y'all should be having parties right now. Two years of not being able to praise. I mean, you should be lighting the building on fire. You should be going crazy. You got two years of pent-up frustration. And so my encouragement to you is, listen, what we experienced last night, what you're experiencing, like this is a new move, get on with it. The church in 2022 looks different. What God is doing in this season looks different. We ain't going back to the way things were. And I'm speaking that with authority because I've seen it with my own eyes. We're not going back. Turn to someone and say, it's a new day. Come on, tell him with a smile. It's a new day. Now turn to 2 Chronicles. I want to share a, a quick word. So hey, <laughs> if you're at home, husbands, wives, and your husband strips down his underwear and starts dancing, just let him go. <laughs> let him do it around the bri. Let him celebrate the season. I just had <laughs> him. Crazy image in my mind. Um, you know, South Africa, one of the reasons I love this country, and I, I try to 
articulate as much as I can. You know, I've, some of you may not know a little bit of my history, but, you know, before I was a worship leader or author or whatever, um, I just was a missions kid. So I just grew up in the nations, and my parents were full-time medical missionaries, and I grew up as a missionary <clears throat> with a desire to spend my life in the nations of the world. I had no desire to be worship leader or be well-known or be a speaker or be on a label or do anything. I just was fully content running after Jesus in the nations, and um, I have a 20-year history of going into persecuted and closed nations and probably have learned more about God and the gospel from the underground church leaders in Iraq and India and Afghanistan and North Korea and Saudi Arabia and, and many, many places that I've been around the world. Um, in a lot of those nations, some of the, they don't even have the, the Bible translated in all of the dialects, but yet they experience the power of God. And so they were the first ones that started bothering me when everything shut down in 2020. All my international trips were canceled. I couldn't go anywhere. I'm in California. We call it lovingly, commie California. And uh, our, our governor just, he just was on such a power trip. And you know, what's funny is that it took a lot of believers a while to like, understandably for us to figure out, okay, what's really going on here? Like, what's really happening, right? Because you're, you're saying the casinos are open and strip clubs are open and bars are open because they're essential, but the church is the problem. Come on, somebody. The church is the super spreader. But, you know, you can go to Walmart and Costco where 2,000 people are running around picking up stuff, but you, you can't catch the virus in there, but you go to church, you're going to get it. And, and it took a while for some believers to, to, to get a sense of discernment to say, maybe there's other agendas at play. Right? Anybody with me? Maybe there's something else happening. And I just want to encourage you, like, like, what we just went through will happen again. Like, this is just, you know, my pastor Bill Johnson says, it's just a trial run. And so we've gone through a test. How did we do? You know, the good thing is, is there'll be another one. You know, but, but for me, I was just like, what is going on? Like, and then, and then my governor, like, tells us in California, oh yeah, you can't, you can't have church, um, and you also can't sing. It's like, bro, who do you think you are? First of all, this is America. Second of all, we have a biblical mandate. We have 2,000 years of worship history. I mean, I think a lot of Christians need to like reread the book of Acts and remember that like all the things we were told not to do, they were told not to do too. And so, um, you know, what happened to me is that all of the underground pastors and leaders that I had spent, you know, years with started messaging me on WhatsApp and sending me these things like, Sean, what's going on in California? It's crazy. Can you imagine that? Pastors in Saudi Arabia going, that's crazy what's happening in California. That's 2020, you know? 
They said, hey, what do you think you're going to do about it? So what do you mean what I'm going to do? Come on, Sean, you've been with us too much. You know what you need to do. You got to worship. So I'm looking all across America, looking for like encouragement, hope, somebody, you know, and my greatest sense of encouragement, hope, and actually trolling comes from my international persecuted church believing pastors. And I started to think, you know, this is a season of darkness, of heaviness, of, of insecurity, of chaos. This is actually the time when we're supposed to be worshiping. This is actually tests the core theology of what we believe. Do we believe that if you just, if, if you want to be like Jesus, you'll hide in isolation and never talk to your neighbor and put a mask on and that's how you're really going to love your neighbor while your neighbor's depressed, suicidal, addicted, confused, and lonely? This fact really hit me because the first lettuce worship that we ever did, first it started as a petition. I, I launched an online petition called Lettuce Worship. And I said, let's just make a petition where pastors and leaders, predominantly in California and New York, the two most locked down states, can sign it and say, we are not going to submit to government tyranny. We're, let us worship. So anyway, then the Lord was like, you need to put feet to the vision. So one year ago yesterday, July 9th, 2020, we had a spontaneous gathering at the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. The city was under a... I want to say it's something like a four or five week total lockdown. And I'm like, God, nobody's going to be out there. Meanwhile, in America, people were protesting and rioting and they were people were encouraging that. But the church, ooh, super spreaders, you know. So I launched this this thing and, and, and I said, hey, you want to come and worship? Join us on the Golden Gate Bridge. Over 400 people showed up. Somebody got out their phone, put it on Facebook Live. Hundreds of thousands of people were watching this. It was shaky. The wind could barely hear us. It was far removed from the nice, comfortable mega church that I was a worship leader at, where we just have the most perfect sound. And we look so cool on the stream. We just look so cool, you know, up there with our guitars, just worshiping. And here we are in the wind on the bridge, you know, singing our hearts out. And I'll never forget my first encounter was with a policeman that was doing suicide patrol on the Golden Gate Bridge. 24 hours a day, they're doing suicide patrol. And he stopped me and he looked at me and he said, what are you guys doing here? And I said, well, we've come to pray and worship. And he looks at me and he starts weeping and he says, what took you so long? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, what took you so long? He said, don't you know that this bridge is the number one suicide destination in America? Don't you know that we can't stop the amount of people jumping off of this to their death? He said, I got eight officers that are going up and down this bridge, and we don't have enough manpower to stop the people. Don't you know that people are depressed, and they're hurting, and they're hopeless? What took you so long? And I started to realize in city after city after city, the amount of devastation and hopelessness. The abused being locked up with their abusers. 
the psychological damage it's done to kids, the kids that haven't gone to youth group in years, haven't had an altar call in years, haven't had a moment to respond to God in years, and here we are worried about our own self-preservation. About a virus with a 99.9%, you know, I mean, my, my heart this morning isn't to shame you, but I'm here to tell you that the enemy came in to shut down the church. And we have to recognize and say, all right, you know what? You overplayed your hand. We are roaring back in this season and we don't just want our churches back. We want the whole city back. We want the townships back. We want the high schools back. We want the universities. And there has to be, listen, in the church people, and I know y'all are nice and you're sweet, you smile a lot, you, you know, you bry and you do all your things, but there has to be a little bit of tenacity in you where you have to rise up and say everything that was stolen in the last season, I'm getting it back. The lost time with my families, the lost time with my loved ones, the lost connection, the lost worship, I'm making it count in this season. And devil, you're getting kicked in the head. And I feel like the church, like, it's okay, man. We need to get a little feisty. We got a little bit lulled to sleep. And I think what we saw last night was, was a prophetic picture of what's going to happen even more. Second Chronicles, we have this story of Jehoshaphat. He becomes king at, I think, around 35-ish. He's a young king, and he has this crisis that happens in 2 Chronicles 20, where a vast army is coming, verse two, from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. A vast army farther than the eye could see is coming against Israel. He's a young king, he doesn't know what to do, so he inquires of the Lord. He proclaimed a fast for all of Judah, he sought the Lord together. He gave an address to the nation. And then in verse 14, a man shows up. The spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel. I said this before, you know, it's kind of a weird name and a random person. That's kind of what I feel like my role is this week, is to be a weird name and a random person to come and remind you. Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jehaziel, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite and a descendant of Asaph. So this guy had a lineage as a prophetic worshiper. So he stands up in the middle of, this, of the assembly and he says this, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position. Stand firm. Someone say, stand firm. And see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. 
Then some Levites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Key word there is loud. This is a season to get loud. It's actually a biblical command. Be loud. And it says, early in the morning they left, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me. Have faith in the Lord your God and you'll be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you'll be successful. After consulting the people, he appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness. So this is the first time in recorded scripture that they are facing a real army and Jehoshaphat has this idea. Hmm, maybe we should just send the worship team ahead. Y'all don't understand how crazy this is. This is, an, this is an army that's so vast they can't see the end of it. And Jehoshaphat's strategy is to take the worship team and say, hey guys, yeah, you with the guitar and you with the bass and the, and the piano, yeah, 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 you guys go ahead of us. <laughs> Imagine being a worship leader in that day, you know? It's like, uh, I don't know if this is part of my role. They have real weapons, and that's a real army, and I have a guitar. Jehoshaphat goes, yeah, exactly. I'm sending you ahead. You know, Judah goes first. I'm sending you ahead of the army, and listen, this is what you're gonna do. You're not even gonna focus on the army or focus what you're up against. You're just gonna praise the Lord for the splendor of his holiness. So many of us, spend so much time focusing on the enemy, which can just only be a distraction. The most powerful place of warfare and worship is in exalting and enthroning the king of kings. And so he gives them these specific instructions. Go ahead and praise him for the splendor of his holiness. Like, close your eyes and just pretend no one's there. <laughs> As you're facing a real army. I remember there's times, you know, as a worship leader, you need to close your eyes and there's times you need to open them. So David, for example, he's playing the harp before Saul and he knows, I should probably keep my eyes open. <laughs> Saul launches a spear, you know, and David dodges it. I've had similar situations where the Lord's brought us to the front lines, for example, in Iraq, the height of ISIS. God sent us in there. We had Friendship with the local Kurdish Peshmerga, which was the fighters. They're also Muslim, but they're the Kurdish Peshmerga fighters against ISIS. They're actually the ones that took ISIS out. And they came to one of our events one time. We invited them, the, the top leaders. And they stood in the back there during worship and they said, oh, this is healing music. What you guys are doing is healing music. Can you do this for us on the front lines? I remember, I, we got that invitation. I remember calling my wife and said, hey, um, yeah, so, so uh, we got a cool opportunity to go to the front lines. And she, she thought I, front lines was the name of a ministry. So she's like, oh yeah, that sounds great. Then I sent her a selfie, literally at the front line with the ISIS flags behind me. And she was like, what are you doing, you know? But we got invited by the Kurdish Peshmerga 
to go and worship. I got videos of it. I got, it's all been, you know, it's crazy to worship on the front lines because they, and, and I remember asking them like, because they kept inviting us back. Every time they were about to do a major offensive, like for example, uh, they were taking over Bashik and, and these different areas that were ISIS controlled. They would invite our team to come. Yeah, come, come just the, the night before and play your healing music. I was like, why do you want us to do this? And they said, because every time you sing, we win a battle. Now, these are Muslims. Like, they understand the power of worship and prayer more than, more than a lot of pastors do. I actually told the commander of uh, one of the commanders there, I said, hey, could you like travel across America with me and share this testimony? Because most believers are so locked into a religious mindset, three fast, three slow, preparing our heart for the preaching. We're a robotic system. Read the words on the screen. Next words, next words. Like this song, don't like this song. I'm gonna sing during this song, not during this song. You know, and we create this form of worship that's all about us and what we like and what we think. We don't understand the power of our praise is to bring breakthrough, deliverance, healing, freedom, and in and and, and, and reality, it's just all preparation for eternity, too. Some people are like, I don't know if I can worship for an hour. I'm like, good luck in heaven, buddy. <laughs> well, it just gets boring for me. Well, I promise you, it's not because God's boring. It's because you're boring. And you need to get free. I mean, the angels are still only singing one word and they're not bored yet. <laughs> Holy. And so, anyway, you know the, how the story goes. They, they begin to worship. It says, after consulting the people, they went out ahead of the army and they said, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. They don't even say like, I break the enemy and I bind it. No, they just say, give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. As they begin to sing and praise the Lord, as they begin to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. Well, Sean, I don't know. That's just the Old Testament and that was weird anyways and it's just, it's not applicable to a new system. Okay, what about Paul and Silas? Right? Two gnarly old dudes in prison, beaten, bloodied. They're in prison together, right? We know the story. And they're sitting there. They're not even trying to sing for a breakthrough. They're just singing because that's what you do. It's, not, it's, it's funny. They didn't say, hey, Paul, hey, Silas, if we sing, maybe the prison doors will open. They didn't even say that. They're just like, well, we're just going to sing. Why? Because that's who we are. And if we die in the prison cell tonight, we might as well go down singing. And what, they start to worship? Because they're amazing worship leaders in perfect pitch with an incredible band. No, they're two gnarly old dudes. I promise you it wasn't in perfect pitch. And they start to sing, and what happens? Heaven responds to the sound of their praise. 
And you know what's so powerful about that story? Right? The ground shook. Right? And it says that, that, it says that every prison door opened. It doesn't say everybody was worshiping. Two dudes were worshiping. The sound of worship from two men opened an entire prison. Why is it so, why was the enemy in the last season trying so hard to silence our voice because so many people were in bondage and in prison? You think our worship and prayer is just here for us to feel better? No, there's prison doors all over this city that need to be opened. I loved it. One of the most powerful things last night is the, the, um, the, the, the head of the police force in the area we were in got up on stage and he hugged my shoulder and he just started weeping. And he said, I've been in the police force for 35 years. And he says, I've never seen anything like this. And then he looked over to me and he said, this is the best crime prevention there is. I'd encourage you to go on Facebook or go on YouTube and watch what this guy says. He was like, I don't even know what to do. I'm just jumping. And he just was jumping around this policeman. And I think what we don't understand is we are, we have the power and the authority through the sound of our praise. And I, I you know, our worship is our weapon. Turn to someone, say our my worship is my weapon. It's our weapon to silence the enemy. It's our weapon to bring confusion on the camp of the enemy. It's our weapon to break off the fear. You know, I, uh, I'm so excited for the season that we're living in, but I'm also so sober to realize that the shaking has only just begun. I mean, let's, let's think about the last 72 hours of world history, okay? Probably the third most powerful leader in the world, the prime minister of the UK, steps down, resigns. People are freaking out in that country right now. The very next day, the longest serving prime minister in Japan is assassinated, okay? Things are shaking. We will look at, you look at Americans, I don't even want to go there. We don't even have a guy that can talk, you know? And, and, but you know what? Here's the thing. Here's why it's beautiful. Here's why it's beautiful. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. All of our securities and our hopes, and I hope out of everything that you realize in the COVID era, I hope you realize a few things. <laughs> Your government doesn't know what it's doing. <laughs> Science doesn't know what it's doing. Our only hope is in God. That's it. Lesson learned. You put your trust in anything else. I mean, it was just so funny. The amount of times they flip-flopped and the things that they were doing, it was so ridiculous. I'm like, okay, you know, in America, it's like, like common sense, like went out the window. It's like, if I'm in a restaurant, I can sit down and eat without a mask, but I have to walk to where I'm sitting with a mask on. 
wow, these smart people run in the world. <laughs> Nobody knows what they're doing. Okay, hint, hint. And things are going to get crazier and things are going to shake more. But guess what? It's going to be a beautiful hour for the church of Jesus Christ. People are going to lose hope in everything else. I want to read this verse in Hebrews, and then I think we're going to just release something wild, like a shout or something crazy, or maybe we need to dance like our brother down here. I don't know. We got to do something today. One of the reasons I'm so drawn to this country, um, you know, besides the biltong <laughs> and the hunting and the worship, I just love like Rainbow Nation. I love how weird and eclectic and different this place is. And I think people in South Africa don't even, maybe not fully understand that this is a crazy place. I mean, it's funny, this week, like, we're, we're trying to do the conference and this event, and it's like the load shedding thing's happening, and I'm like, <laughs> like, you guys, like, you're still here, you're smiling, you're happy, you're worshiping, and I'm like, I don't, like, I don't know when to charge my phone, when to use the shower, <laughs> when to, I don't, I'm like, we're literally at the house we're staying at, and like, the moment the power goes on, we just start running everywhere. <laughs> Like, we need to do stuff. Like, take a shower now. It's hot, you know? Like, but, like, this is your guys' life. Like, you were born for adversity. Like, you were born to thrive in this season. And, and South Africans are resilient. Like, I'm, and I'm, I'm being serious. Like, you, it's almost like God handpicked you guys to be made for the end times. You know, I learned that phrase many, many years ago. Like, I, I understood, like, when we face a challenge or something would happen, it was like, South Africans were like, they just look at me, they'd be like, Burma Kaplan. <laughs> it's all going to work out. We'll figure it out. Something, somehow. And, you know, me as an American, I was like, no, no, but, but what does that mean? Like, like, just now, 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 like, what, when? Like, which one is it? And, but just your ability to roll with the punches and, and figure it out and be innovative. And I don't know, I mean, a lot of South Africans, I don't even think you realize the creativity that's in this nation. I mean, you have a guy that grew up in this nation that's going to put human beings on Mars. Now, I don't care whether you like Elon Musk or not. My point is, is that he's putting human beings on Mars. It's pretty crazy. He's the richest man in the world. He grew up here. Like, that's just a picture of the wealth of creativity and innovation. And I think the church in this season is going to move to be the answer for all of the issues of this country. Engineers, scientists, businessmen, politicians. I'm going to say it again. Politicians. Well, I don't know. That's a dirty area. Well, it's dirty because we haven't invaded it with the light. I'm praying for Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled, Shabaraba Prime Minister, President, that steps onto the scene with the Holy Spirit. It's time to be the church. Take it to the world. So anyway, Hebrews 13, 
Uh, Hebrews 12, and it, by the way, if the end times come, um, I'll be here just now. <laughs> Save some meat for me. And I probably won't go to Cape Town. They don't have as much meat there. <laughs> but it says, it says in Hebrews 12, verse 25, it says, see to it that, that uh, it says, hold on, verse 26. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. This is an hour for us to rejoice through the shaking because it's gonna keep happening. I'm telling you, I have a sense in my spirit. The world leadership right now is going to shift in the next few months like we've never seen before. The globalism dynamics and the striving for this globalist thing is gonna be shaken apart. A couple people are excited about that. God is working. God is moving. And it says, therefore, verse 28, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So it gives us the prescription basically for the end times. How do you respond in the end times when everything can be shaken? I don't know if, if you were like me, but in 2020 and 2021, I would wake up in the morning, I'd be like, flipping through Revelation, I'd be like, which page are we on today? <laughs> you know, <like laughs> good Lord, this is crazy. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is we have the divine prescription for what we do in seasons of shaking. It says, let us be thankful and worship God. Well, geez, man, why should we be thankful? The world's going to hell. The rand is tanking the, you know, the, all of our structures and systems. And, you know, I was... <laughs> I was laughing during this, this uh, power outage thing because we were, the first couple days we were here, we were at a place up north and like when the power goes off there, like all the cell phone signal goes off because of course someone stole the batteries on the cell phone tower. <laughs> I'm just like, this place is wild. Like, so... Like, literally, the power goes out and, like, no one can talk to anyone. I'm like, this is getting pretty close to the, you know? Um, but when everything is shaken, like, the prescription is be thankful and worship God. And I feel like on this church, there's a call and an anointing to worship that's going to break off the heaviness. There's a call and an anointing to worship through the shaking. So that through you, a kingdom will be revealed to the earth that cannot be shaken. So let's do something. Let's stand up. Let's get the band up here. We got three minutes. Well, this is South Africa. You could just. <laughs> no, I'm a good preacher. I uh, stay within my time. Unless you come to let us worship, then it's, we'll do whatever. But I, I want to do something. I, I feel like, um, and, and I want you to participate in this and, and not be like Michael, the daughter of Saul. Because nobody wants to be barren. Amen? 
but I want to lift up a sound, a shout that's going to last a minute and 30 seconds. So that gives you guys 40 seconds to get ready. 30 seconds to get ready. Okay. We're going to lift up a sound, just get in G and then we're going to release a shout. And I feel like as we release this shout, we're shaking off the dust of yesterday. We're breaking through the fear of the last season. We're saying, this is a season we are going to worship. We are going to praise. We're not backing down. The church of God is rising up in South Africa. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And we are going to see revival in this nation. Here we go. Three, two, one. Shout! Appreciate uh, Sean Foyt. Come on, lift up one more shout of praise. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's pray. I'm out of breath. <laughs> Father, we just thank you for what you have done here today. To you be the glory, the honor, the power, the dominion, and praise both now and forevermore. Thank you that our hearts have been ignited today. But we declare that we will go with the fire of God into every place that you have ordained for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen. God bless everyone.